Hey, we want to welcome you to You and the Law Broadcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We're glad that everybody is able to tune in and join us uh, for another episode of the broadcast show. And uh, I need to make sure that I introduce the brother that sits to the right of me. He goes by the name of Chief Swag. How you doing today? What's going on, Brother Virgil? What's going on to the listeners out there? How's everybody doing? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's a great day. It's a great day for you and the law because we've got a, a, a guest on the show, uh, and uh, he, is, uh, he just retired, uh, Keith, from being a police chief in Georgetown, South Carolina. And so we want to introduce uh, Kelvin Waits, who he also goes by the name of Coach Kelvin Waits. So glad you're able to join us, sir. Hey, I appreciate the invite, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Hey, we're glad to glad that you've taken the time out to come on and talk to us about uh, about your um, leadership and uh, life coaching practice that you launched in uh, 2019. Uh, it's called Weights Lifted Life and Leadership Coaching LLC. And so, uh, you know, Chief, you're you're a you're a veteran, you're a retired police chief, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a mentor, you're a coach, you're an author, and you founded this uh, Weights Lifted. So uh, tell us uh, a little bit more about yourself and how did you come about um, coming up with uh, Weights Lifted? Okay. All right. So, you know, you know, I was born in Harlem. I don't, I don't, know, I don't, I don't think I still have the northern accent, but I was born in Harlem, New York. Uh, and lived there until I was about 10. Then I moved to Charleston, South Carolina with my family. Uh, you know, went to college. And then after college, mm-hmm. I went to the military uh, for four years, served my country. And uh, in 1997, I started in law enforcement. Uh, and in law enforcement ever since. You know, I can tell you that when I first started, um, right out of the military, you know, my, my, my attitude and my posture was, you know, lock up the back, arrest the back. Uh-huh. And uh, and, o- and over time, you know, I realized that there was so much more uh, involved in what we do, so much more in, in, in terms of serving and service. And, and I can honestly say that, I, you know, that I've grown up. And so a couple of years ago, I, you know, I started thinking about, you know, one day I'm going to retire. I'm going to have to retire. Uh, and, you know, I need to, you know, I'm a young guy and I still want to serve in, in different capacities and, I need to come up with a way. I want to start my own business. And uh, and I researched being a life and leadership coach. And my plan was to, you know, when I retired, to roll into this and have something to do and keep it going. And so what happened is, you know, I got things up and running. Uh, and one day my daughter came to me. She says, uh, Dad, do you have a name for your business? And I said, oh, I said, actually, I've been kind of struggling <laughs> and she says, you know, she did. She says, listen, she said, God told me to tell you. And I listened closely, you know, because she doesn't normally come at me like that. And I said, okay. And she says, listen, your whole career, your whole life, even when you're not working, you're talking to people, you're encouraging them, you're lifting them up. So God told me to tell you that you need to name your business Weights Lifted. And, you know, Chief Green, I, could, I, I didn't exchange words with her, I said, okay, 
you know, and so oh. that's how things kind of, that's what it's like, go ahead, but that's where the title came. No, oh, okay, okay, what, well, hey, man, it, it's good. It's good when our kids are able to to uh, get involved with with our careers and and also put their input on it. So, uh, sound like you got a, a very intelligent daughter. She is. She's, she's a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Graduated from law school about oh, four months. Ago. Oh, okay. Well, congratulations yeah. to her. Yeah. Yeah. But, but so, like I said, my intention was was just you know get this up and running. Not do much with it, you know. I said, you know, hey, if I had one or two clients, it'd be great. Um, and so I started, uh, you know, moving around in it, and things, things just kind of blew up. You know, I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaches, uh, which was which was great, but can also burn you out because you know, still had a full-time job, still you know, law enforcement, still chief, and uh, and then all of a sudden, things changed to where, you know, I started this conversation about facilitating conversations about diversity culture and our biases. And for the past year and a half, that's what I've been spending most of my time doing, you know, talking to nonprofit organizations, talking to law enforcement organizations, talking to school districts. Everybody's wanting to have the same conversation as a related mm-hmm. to So that's, that's pretty much all the background. And, and I like, you know, got to be involved in, in, uh, in running this and this culture right Okay. Okay. Well, and you know, uh, Chief Wade, you know, me and uh, uh, Chief Humphrey, we've talked on the podcast show about the importance of, of having good leaders and, and good leadership in, in policing. And, uh, you know, so uh, it throughout your career, being in the military and being uh, serving in law enforcement, being a police chief, and especially this past year and, and and even this even before this past year um what would you say would be the climate of leadership in your region where you're where you're at in, in south carolina you know it, you know the climate is and, and, I, and i can speak you know like you said for, for the region and, and for myself specifically uh, you know it has been uh you know and i hope you don't mind me saying it just the way it has been Everybody's been catching hell, really, for the past year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been tough, you know. You all, you and Chief Humphrey know, you know, coming to work and, you know, sitting down and trying to be strategic about things and, and, and wondering, have you laid, let me ask you this question. Have you laid in bed at, at any point during the last year and a half and thought about what are we going to do if everybody gets sick? Uh, it, uh, and I think both of us can can say yes, uh, yeah. Keith. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's, yeah I, I, absolutely. Uh, hey, Chief, how you doing, man? Good, sir. I think the uh, thing that we, we have to remember is that, you know, we're always thinking about contingency plans. You know, but I, I will say this, Chief, and I think I know where you're going with this one. Uh, how do you plan for this? I mean, how do you plan, do you plan? for a uh, a pandemic? Uh, we plan for weapons of mass destruction, active shooter, uh, large crowds, but how do you plan for something you can't see? Uh, and, and then how do you, how do you minimize the impact, uh, the adverse impact it could have? So you're right, you do stay up and you think about, you know, that we got the contingency plan for all those other things. We got those worked out. 
We we got mm-hmm. a plan. We got a policy for that. But you're absolutely right. That man, it's been a many a night. What happens if you lose the whole ship? Uh, what what services are you gonna have to change your your you know your vision and stuff? So yeah, absolutely. To answer your question, yeah. absolutely. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so you know, my point. Go ahead, keep. No, I was just going to say, you know, guys, we're going to be coming up uh, in a few minutes on on our first break. Uh, but I want to remind our listeners that if you're just now tuning into the to the broadcast show, uh, you're listening to you and the law. Uh, we've got on uh, a guest who just retired as a police chief in Georgetown, South Carolina. Uh, is uh, Chief Waits? Uh, he is a uh, uh, has a an organization that is called, that is weights for lifting, uh, helping strong leaders building uh, strong organizations. So um, we want to definitely uh, encourage you to stay tuned in to the show. And uh, if you miss any parts of this broadcast show, uh, definitely tune in to blogtalkradio.com backslash LA Bachelor uh, to to listen to. Uh, any parts of the show. And let me correct myself. That's thebachelornews.airtime.pro. That's thebachelornews.airtime.pro. And to listen to you and the law. But guys, we're going to take this break. We come back. We'll... But you're listening to you and the law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you've got a clogged up nose, simply stuffy. If you've got a snuffly nose, simply stuffy. If the rest of you feel fine, but your nose is out of line, give your schnozzle what it means, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy, from the makers of Children's Tylenol. It has only the medicine your child needs to make a stuffy nose simply disappear. If you want to smell a rose, get the stuff out of your nose. If you take a feeling smile, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy, use as directed. Now you can increase your yields by using Conklin's Guardian slow-release nitrogen additive. Guardian holds your nitrogen in the root zone where it's needed over a longer period of time. That, in return, can reduce your nitrogen rates. That saves you money. And whether you want it in a dry or liquid formula, Guardian helps in reducing groundwater contamination, too. So save your money and be a good steward all at the same time by using Conklin's Guardian. on the Bachelor News uh, Radio Network. Again, you can listen live right now at the website. It's on a, a delay, but you'll listen to it in its entirety at thebachelornews.airtime.pro, uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, or you can dial in by phone at 646-929-0130 as they're talking about yet another great topic 
uh, mentors. And I, I think for your your guest, uh, Chief, if, if I may ask, uh, Chief Waits, and, and if, if that's okay with uh, you too, Chief Humphrey, in terms of, uh, you know, when you look at the, the, the landscape, Chief Waits, of uh, some of the new um, young brothers and sisters coming in as recruits and everything, how important is it um, to be um, the mentor, you you guys got a gazillion years of experience. So, how important is it for them coming in those those new fresh recruits, especially in this climate of of uh, hate and division? Chief Waits, I'll let you uh, take off with that, sir. Talking about and just talking about leadership in general. Uh, it's extremely important because, you know, we set the tone. Right? We set the tone from the time, you know, someone fills out the application as they go through the process, as they go to the academy, as they go to the FTO program. You know, we're, we're all involved in that process, and, and, and we set the tone. And I'll never forget, there's a gentleman named uh, Lieutenant Matthew Grayson. You know, when I first started, he was he was my FTO. And, and he said, and i never forget, he said to me, he said, look, man, do the right thing, always do the right thing. He said, but I'm going I'm to go, go a little step further. He said, he said and, and I'm not trying to be religious or, 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 you know, overly religious, but he said, trust in God. Trust in God and do the right thing. And your career will be long and, 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 and everything will be all right. And so, you know, I think it's important for, you know, I've, I've worked at uh, agencies or interacted with law enforcement officers who said, hey, you know what, I don't even know my command staff. You know, a sergeant doesn't talk to me. I walk past these folks in the hallway, and they don't even speak. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. we we, I mean, we we have to be involved in these officers' careers. And, and of course, we can't be every place all the time and, and, and put our hands on everybody all the time, but we have to be involved. We have to set the tone. You know, we have to let them know that, that at the end of the day, yes, we all have to go out and, and do a job, but we all have families because they say, we want to make sure that mental health is where it needs to be, and that we, you know, we care about not just getting them uh, incident reports done or doing those patrol watches or doing everything that we got to do with law enforcement, but we care about the family. And I think that's a, that's a message that we, you know, we as leaders really need to uh, push across and express to our floor and the people that work for us. Exactly, Chief Humphrey. Yeah, I think it starts from day one. I think I think what we try to do when it comes to leadership, we forget about the importance of when those uh, when those recruits first get in the academy. Uh, they're, they're leaders. Everybody has that potential, whether you're formal or informal. And we try to handle these kids with with, with kid gloves. And oh, we don't want to talk about that because they may not understand it. And we need to push that to the older guys. We need to push that to no. Everybody in your organization needs to be involved in those conversations about leadership. Uh, we we have set a tone in, in our profession that you're only a leader when you got rank. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer, Chief Waits, and and what I know about you and what I you know what I've what I've read is that I think you believe. I think I'm safe to say this, and I know Virgil does. Leadership lives on every level of the organization. And uh, oh, yeah. we have to push that out there. We have to push it, push it, push it, and explain it to where people can understand it. You know, we don't need to use these big terms. Uh, you know, people use it vicarious liability, 
A lot of people don't know what right. that is, you know. Uh, but you, you you can use terms to scare people off, but your main focus is to get people to realize what their purpose and profession is, and that they can. People are watching, and and no matter what you do, you always got to do the right thing. And, and I had a mentor tell me, tell me the same. Tell me, hey, it's all about it's all about doing the right thing, even when people aren't looking. Uh, and, and I always reach back and grab somebody to pull them behind, pull my witness. Yeah. Well, and you know, guys, you know, I, there's a quote that I like. Uh, it is, be a voice, not an echo. And I think, you know, that is something that embodies the, the in, in leadership. Um, and, and Chief Wade. Did, you write that? Hey, did, you did I write that? that? Is that yours? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I came up with it. Yeah, you will put a copyright on something. I, I yeah. didn't know that. You will put a copyright on something. Well, well, but well, hey, yeah, I, I I wrote that. I wrote that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't uh, taken from anywhere else. So, you know, but uh, but Chief Wait, you made a, a really good uh, point a while ago when you mentioned that how in some of these agencies that some of these officers don't even know they may the only time they may meet any their police chief or people in the command staff is when they mm -hmm. are going through the academy or when they graduate the academy after that they may not see them for months uh and also with some of their supervisors so it's real important that you know uh those who are who serve in the position as police chief and as command staff as captains, majors, lieutenants, whatever the rank may be, is that you have you, you build a relationship with these officers. And I think some agencies are so big they they forget that. And and so and that hurts those those new officers that, that are coming in to the agency because they just don't really have that guidance and they don't really have those mentors and unfortunately they may end up getting someone who has some bad habits. That's right. Yeah. And, and it can happen. Hey, let, me, hey, let, me say, let, me, let me say something about that. I, I, Chief, I'm sorry, Chief, wait, I'm sorry, I just want to say something. So we just had our um, field training officer review. And if you don't think these young officers pay close attention and you don't think that they're very, um, uh, how do you say it, that, they, that they're not oblivious. Uh, they they are paying a close attention, and they will say when you sit there and you talk to them about their FTO, their field training officers, they're going to be honest with you. You know, we don't understand. I didn't learn anything. Uh, all this one told me about was bad mouth in the administration, or I know where to go and eat free. Uh, you know <laughs> things like that, and so I, I don't think. I mean, I mean, I don't think that's you real. understand that. That's real. I mean, I just we just finished a a, a process a month or so ago, and just listening to, uh, you know, we had one that said, "Hey, this field training officer is amazing, but they got some major personal issues that they I can't learn anything because they're always arguing with their spouse." <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> that, that's the kind of stuff they don't realize that people, these kids aren't oblivious to that. These kids are paying close attention to them. And they get their leadership uh, mindset and, and their and their work ethic 
it's not work ethic, but their, uh, you know, the way they're going to work for the remainder of their career, that's where it starts. You know, that, that's where yeah. it starts. So I just wanted to say that real quick. No, and I mean, you, you, you bring up a, a great point, you know, I was just going to, you know, throw out there that, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we you know, Chief Humphrey, Chief Green, you know, we're, we're like, uh, we're like drum majors, right? And, and we got this big band, and we got different sections of the band. And a lot of times, it, it, if we don't pay attention and make sure that everybody is on the same page, we end up, just because we're busy going to this, doing this, going to this training, we end up putting things on autopilot, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and the information, you may say, hey, I want ABC done. By the time it gets down to the lower ranks, it's backwards. You know what I'm saying? It's not what you said. Or or somebody on the command staff is saying, well, this is Chief, this is what Chief Green wants us to do, right? Which is detrimental to everything in, in the process anyway. You know what I'm saying? They need to be saying, hey, this is uh, this is what we got to do. I mean, everybody needs to be on the same page. And it takes work um, to, to to get your command staff there, to get your supervisor, your sergeant. Your, it, it takes work to get everybody on the same page. I had a um, a uh, somebody on my command staff say during a staff meeting one time, he said, "Well, uh, well, chief, you know, this is your sandbox. Whatever you say, uh, then that's what we're going to do." And my question to him was, "Well, why do I need?" You? Wasn't trying to be ugly, wasn't trying to be overly critical, but if, you know, you're not going to think, you're not going to make decisions, you're just going to be a puppet, you're not going to sit down at this table and, and, and bring your years of experience and, and how you really feel about a situation, then why do I really need it? Because we're not getting better. You know, I, I don't know everything. I, I'm sure, you know, Chief Green and Chief Humphrey, you know, you take the same posture. I don't know everything. And so that's why we have a, a command staff, we have a team effort. But it's important in setting that tone to making sure that everybody's on the same page. Yeah, you're right. And, and you know, oftentimes, you know, I, I think a lot of uh, officers, they get the imp- they already know that, hey, if you're a police chief, you've got a lot of things going on. And uh, uh, but when you do uh, take the time and find the time to really engage with with these young officers it really surprises them and you know just like you said Keith you when you do these evaluations on the TO uh, when they went through the FTO program um, I think in this generation of, of people that's entering into policing the old culture of policing um, about um, hey you can't say anything negative about your supervisor uh, I think you've got a younger generation who are a little bit more inclined to to speak up and to be uh, more honest instead of just being reserved and saying, that's not my place, I'm not going to say anything. Um, I don't know, Keith, uh, have you noticed that uh, doing some of your uh, FTO evaluations? Yeah, absolutely. if you can get to them before. Absolutely. If you can get to them before the union gets to them, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> we'll tell you, yeah. yeah, they're they're being very honest. They're being very honest. They are a they are a uh, 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 it's a generation that they won't pull any punches. You don't want to know. Don't yeah. ask them. Uh, this is yeah. not your. This is not when we got into law enforcement where you didn't say much. Uh, yeah, they, they're they're going to let you know. 
Exactly. Well, hey guys, we're we're getting ready to come up on our on our second break, but we've got a lot of people that are that are tuned in, listening to the show, and want to thank everybody for for being on the line or listening on live to the show. But uh, we're going to take this break, guys, and we come back. We're going to get into the finish up. We're going to get into the conversation with Chief Waits about uh, Waits lifted life and leadership coaching LLC. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You must be your fairy godmother. In the classic fairy tale, Cinderella's dream comes true because the glass slipper fits. It fits. In our world, the right fit can be just as important. Good heavens, child. You can't go in there. Especially when it comes to car seats. Always choose a car seat that's the right fit for your child's age and size. Oh, that does make a difference. To make sure your little pumpkin gets there safely every time. Happy to see you. Thank you. Remember, you're responsible for protecting your children. Their happily ever afters are in your hands. <laughs> for even more information about choosing the right car seat, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. This message has been brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Law broadcast on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WTON, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment. And uh, of course, you can listen to the show right now at the Bachelor News on Airtime.pro, uh, or you can uh, dial in and listen by phone at 646 The number to get in touch with Chief uh, Keith Humphrey, Chief Virgil Green, and, and Chief uh, Kelvin Waits, the uh, guest. Um, just as a reminder, I will be screening your calls. If you have a question or comment for the Chiefs, you can let me know. If not, you can say you're just listening if you have a comment. Either way, I'll be screening. You'll hear silence on the line, and I'll ask you if you have a question or comment. You can let me know either way, and uh, we'll be happy to get those things on the air. Now back to Chief Virgil Green, Chief Keith Humphrey, and their guest, Chief um, Kelvin Waits. Hey guys, we're uh, talking with uh, Chief Kelvin Waits, who is the founder of uh, Waits Lifted and Life Leadership Coaching LLC. Uh, he just retired as police chief in Georgetown, South Carolina. So, Chief Waits, we're glad that you're able to come on the show and talk to us about your your um, your uh, life and leadership coaching and. Uh, uh, just how how that uh, incorporates into uh, what's going on in in policing as well as just in 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 the private sector as well. Okay, great. Yeah, and, and again, I'm glad to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, you know, both you and Chief Humphrey have been uh, been awesome. You can tell that our professionals and I've been doing this for a minute, so I feel real real comfortable. Well, um, well, hey, we we try to now, you know. You know, Chief, I'm gonna say this. Watch it. I, when it comes watch to when it, it comes to watch it. Watch being it. a professional, watch it. Watch it. <laughs> but but 
but as as you can see, we we try to we we like we like to have a good time on on our uh, podcast uh, show, and uh, you know, even with our guests, want to make sure our guests feel feel welcome and that they'll come back and, and join us, you know, anytime. So uh, so this won't be your last time coming on the show. Believe that. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. But but just to talk about weightlifting a little bit, um, you know, the 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 name of the company is is, is what it means. Uh, you know, um, you know, my goal has always been just to lift people up. Uh, you know, help leaders become better leaders. Uh, you know, I do you know several different types of training. I do a master class called Never Have a Bad Day. Uh, I do I facilitate conversations about. Uh, culture, high season diversity. I do a class called Leading in the Dark, Team Ford. I've actually, you know, uh, done presentations and classes for the South Carolina Sheriff's Association as well as the South Carolina Police Use Association, different nonprofit organizations. And, uh, and like I said, it goes back to, uh, to Waste Lifted. Um, I can tell you, you know, I wrote a book about a year ago, a co-authored a book with uh, two other gentlemen called Never Have a Bad Day. And, uh, you know, that book came from an experience that I had in law enforcement several years ago. I was in the chief at the time. I was a captain. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, I get a phone call uh, from one of my officers. And, hey, I hate to bother you. And, of course, you know, what do we say when they call us? And they say, that, of course, you're not bothering me. Yeah. You can never bother yeah. me. You know, what's going on? And so the officer said, I'm hooked on drugs. That's what the officer said. I'm hooked on drugs. And so hey, the dead... He said he hooked? Wow. Hooked on drugs. Wow. So he so said he was, hooked, he was hooked on drugs. Hooked on drugs. So the dead silence that you heard right after I said that was the dead silence that was on the phone when it happened. And, of course, you know, you don't expect to get that phone call Sunday afternoon. And so, you know, I kind of gathered myself and I said, well, okay, what's going on? You know, what kind of drug? You know, and come to find out it was, it was pain pills. The officer had been involved in the accident, had back issues, and couldn't stop taking the pain pills. Couldn't stop taking the pain pills. And, we, you know, there's a lot that goes, a lot of dynamics that go on within this thing we call law enforcement, right, in service. But sometimes, you know, we, we, we deal with people that's walking around, and they hurt, and they are hurting. And, uh, and so it was up to us as leaders and, 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 and command staff people and all of that to try to do the best we can to look out for warning signs and pick up on different things. But... The reality is that sometimes we miss it. So uh, I'm hooked on drugs. You know, uh, we had a strong employee assistance program. You know, I've got that officer uh, hooked up with appropriate people, got treatment. Everything worked out fine. The officer bounced back like, like never before. And so about three months later, after that phone call, I get another phone call from the same officer. And so, Chief Green, what do, you, what do you think when I saw that number on my phone? What do you, what do you think that came to my mind? It, it wasn't going to be a good phone call. I said, I, I'm going to just tell you, I, when I saw that, I said to myself, oh, hell, is what I said. I said, oh, hell, you know. And so, hello, hey, just wanted to reach out to you and, and said, I want to thank you for what you did for me. And, uh, and I said, no, well, you know, I didn't, you know, anyway, I'm glad everything's worked out for you. I'm glad you're doing better. I'm glad you bounced back. But I didn't really do anything. You know, I just kind of did my job. And, and that also told me, they said, no, nah, uh, you did more than your job because you don't understand that when I called you, I was prepared to take my life. I was prepared to take my life. Uh, if you didn't answer the phone, 
I was going to take my life. If you didn't give wow. me the answers that I needed when I got in contact with you, mm-hmm. I was going to take my life, right? And so the kicker was, the officer said, the only reason I even decided to call you was because you're approachable and you never seem like you're having a bad day. That is what that officer said to me. And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, that experience changed me as a leader because, yeah, I was approachable, but but I was so focused on results. You know what I'm saying? I was results-driven. I really didn't, uh, at that time, really dig in deep to really find out who these officers were and, and, and you know, know everything about their families and everything that I really should have known as a leader. But when that officer told me that, hey, I was prepared to take my life, but the only reason I even I, I decided to call you was you were approachable and you never seemed like you had a bad day. That changed me. I was never the same after that, you know, in, in, a, in a good way. And so that was the basis of, uh, you know, the book I wrote and co-authored with these other two gentlemen. Because I believe that as leaders, you know, we can't, there's so much at stake, right? We can't afford to have a bad day. Sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that because we're human, Right. Technically, we, we all do have bad days, whether it be we woke up with a headache, you know, or, or, you know, our significant others get on our nerves, our kids ain't acting right, our neighbor's dog barked all night. We are human and we have bad days. But when it comes yeah. to leading our people, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's, it's a calling just like being a priest. It's a calling like being a doctor. It is a calling. And when it comes to leading our people, you know, we got a little extra. You know what I'm saying? We got a stronger back to be able to carry the junk that we got to deal with, but still leave these folks at the same time. Yeah. Well, and, and, you, and, and you know, uh, Chief, one of the things I think a lot of people, uh, and, and Keith, you, uh, you know, probably have the same, you know, thought. It, being a police chief is just like being a coach of, of, of a Division One, whether it be football or basketball you know you got all these players that you're dealing with and all these different um backgrounds and different attitudes and how do you how do you manage that how do you how does your uh you know how does your you know we call them supervisors but how does your other coaches deal with how do you deal with them to make sure that they are connecting with with these with these officers and you know oftentimes uh, you know, we kind of get lost with there's so much stuff going on. And when you said that the, this officer said that you were approachable, one of the things I've tried to, to do with the agencies that I've served in is is just let officers know, yeah, there's a title uh, with the name, but I'm also a person. Um, and guys, you know, I like to I like to cook. You know, I like to get on the grill. So I've invited officers to come over to the house and let's on a weekend and if I'm grilling, hey, you guys are welcome to come over. And you'd be surprised at the reaction that some of these officers have because it's like, well, I'm not going to go over to, to the chief's house, but why not? I mean, but then when they do, they see that you are just as laid back and that builds that, that report relationship. And that's why that officer called you that day and said, hey, I've got a problem, and, and you really reached out and helped him. Look, Virgil, I, and the other thing, I got two things. Go ahead, Chief. Go ahead, Chief. No, I was just going to say no, that, that there, is, there, 
is there is a there is a threat to that whole process as well. And and you know, in in every organization, you know, we we talked about the younger folks, we talked about the millennials. There is what I call sometimes we got old salty dogs, right? They just old school. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's gonna be. Don't be asking me no questions. Go paint the wall green. Get it done, right? And back in the day, that's how it was. But times have changed, and so you know, a lot of times, you know, if, if we do our part and we make, uh, you know, the officers understand and realize that we're approachable, that hey, we got an open door policy. Yes, they're structured, and and you need to push things up your chain of command. But if you need me, I'm here. A lot of times. Behind the scenes, they get discouraged. Oh, don't you be going to talk to oh, Let me see you talk to the chief. Don't you be going to talk you know. And so we got, we got to kind of deal with that and make sure that, you know, our command staff and, and, and subordinates, are, we are all on the same page. That, hey, yes, there's a structure in place. I expect you to use that structure. But if you need me, I'm here. And that's all I, yeah. I just want to add that to. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Keith. No, I, I was going to say, you know, what I, what I tell my guys, I my, my command staff gets upset with me because I don't I don't go to lunch with them. We we talk during the day, and that's, I go to lunch with my line officers, with my with my uh, civilian employees. Uh, they need to see that side, um, and so those are the individuals out there that are on that front line. Uh, your first line supervisor, your officers, you, they need to see a side of you because they don't see it. You know, they, they, there's a, there's a, um, an omen, so to speak, on the administrative wing. Don't go there because if you go there, that's a bad sign. You don't want anybody to see you going out of there. They don't care about you. You have to reach down and show that you, that you do care. And then on the light side of that, Virgil, did you wash your hands before you grilled? <laughs> Always. See, see, okay. see there, you know, Chief, see Chief Waits. See, see, you see the abuse that I have to take. I mean, oh, I mean now, now, I'll say this. Now, I've invited Chief Humphrey over uh, for, you know, for a barbecue. Mm-hmm. And now, he, he invited us over, you know, for steaks one time. You know, but so that lets you know his, his, his grilling skills is is not very well. So, so, but and you know you're you're right, and just like Keith said, you know you um you really have to you know when you pull up and you have lunch with with some with some of the patrol officers, they just kind of look at you like, oh man, is this really happening? Because my own supervisor doesn't do this. But hey, guys, it's, uh, we're going to take this break, and we come back. We're going to get back into the conversation with with uh, Chief Waits, with uh, who is the founder of Waits Lifted Life and Leadership Coaching LLC. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCON, Big Mind Entertainment, IBM TV, um, and of course, anywhere else you can download um, these type of, of programs, you certainly can do that, and listen live and rebroadcast at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Uh, as I go back to you, Chief Green, Humphrey, and Waits, uh, I had two questions come in. Um, Mark said... Are um, the mentor? Are there a lot of mentor programs um, and organizations working uh, to build uh, some of the, the the younger officers coming in? And the other question was, and I of course lost it on my sheet here. Um, well, you can answer that one first, and I'll, I'll pull that up, uh, Chief Green and Humphrey. You guys can um, answer that first one there. Okay. Well, you know, I'll say there there are uh, quite a few organizations uh, that have mentoring programs, and key, you know, just as well as I do, is that Noble, which is a national organization of Black law enforcement executives, has a, a really good mentorship program uh, that's been around for 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 quite some time. Uh, so that's just that's one organization that has. Uh, a really good uh, mentoring program. You know what? You know what, Virgil? I'm glad you brought that up. And, and there's about seventy, about sixty-five percent placement uh, for police chiefs um, coming out of that program, and it could be higher. Yeah, I know it's very successful. Um, and, you know, the, the other mentoring. You know, I, I think. There needs to be internal mentoring. And when it comes down to the question, Chief, I want to ask you a question. When you go out and you teach these, facilitate these uh, these classes, do you find that most of the time uh, people will raise their hand and say, when you ask who's a mentor, are you mentoring someone, or are you, are you mentoring, period? And, and sometimes, or most of the time, they can only give you one or two names that they're mentoring. Um, they're not. They're not talking about a program. They're talking about one specific person because they see something right. in this one particular person. They don't see it in multiple persons. They. It appears that I can go with this one person because it's easy. I won't have all the overhead. I won't have all the the frustration. But they don't realize there's other people that want to be mentored also. I mean, is that what you see? Yes, sir, absolutely, and, and and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say that, you know, in the past I've been successful within the department assigning mentors to new officers that have been coming. You know what I'm saying? Somebody to uh, 
check in with them from time to time, make sure it's good, make sure the family's good, make sure they need it. Outside of their FCO or their immediate supervisor, like I said, I've been successful in assigning uh, mentors to people because, you know, in terms of leadership, we, we have to be intentional about, you know, we can't just put the success of somebody on autopilot and assume that, that everything's going to go as planned or everybody's going to catch on or everybody's going to make it through the FCO program the very first time because we all know it doesn't happen that way. So we have to be intentional. And like I said, in the past, I've actually assigned, we've assigned as a staff uh, mentors within the department for different officers kind of scattered about. And it works. It works. Okay. Well, hey, uh, L.A. Uh, has got the second question. Uh, go ahead with that yep. question. Yeah, sorry about that. Linda in Texas asked, um, it's funny, she had asked about Noble. Uh, for those who don't know Noble, the uh, uh, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement, um, is their mission to advance um, black and, and law enforcement into administrative areas or build team leadership and mentorship? And then she said, um, is there a, um, a chapter in every, every state, guys? Well, Virgil, can, can I answer that one? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So thanks, Linda, for that question. Uh, yes to all of the above. Uh, no, there's not a chapter in every city. Uh, you have to go back. Or every to the, state. Uh, every state. I'm so sorry. Um, you have to go back to the reason that Noble, the, the Black Police Association, uh, Black Law Enforcement Officers Association, why they were uh, founded. Uh, because there was there was no voice. There was no there was no voice at the table uh, for those uh, people of color who wanted to be in law enforcement uh, executive positions or that should have been in law enforcement executive positions. I think a lot of times uh, we get a, we get confused when we say National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. And for a long time, there was a perception that Noble was just for executives, lieutenants and above. Yeah. But Noble is open mm-hmm. to all levels of police officers. And one of the things that I've noticed is there's a perception out there that Noble is strictly for African Americans. But when you go to a conference, you see a very diverse group of attendees. But the focus is Noble Noble has a big seat at the table uh, when it comes to the federal government, when it comes to um, DOJ. Uh, Noble was a big part of the 21st century policing initiative that President Obama facilitated. Uh, Noble is, is well respected in all circles of law enforcement. Uh, they are also utilized to facilitate chief search, uh, police chief search. Um, uh, when, when a, a city is looking for a search, uh, Noble has an amazing reputation when it comes to uh, pol- uh, police departments looking for minority uh, police candidates and police uh, police chiefs. So. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it hadn't been for organizations like Noble and the founders of Noble and the founders of MBPA and, and, and Black Law Enforcement that set that tone and established that foundation uh, to help make the playing field level. Um, I, I will tell you this, and, and, and my first mentor, I'll just say this, my first formal mentor was a white male sergeant who saw something in me when you would have thought that the 
the black executives at that at that time would have been the ones that were that would have that would have tried to mentor me, but a white male sergeant uh, who had a reputation of being a racist, and he was not. Uh, he was just a very quiet person, but he was the one that took me under his wings and mentored me and, and say, "Hey, this is this is the things you need to do to be a police chief. These are the things you need to do when you're supervising people when you're out here in the community." So, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate to, to to have some 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 really good people in my life uh, to help me get where I'm. And so, I would be remiss if I did not go back and help people. I make myself available to anyone who, who wants to learn. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, uh, Chief Waits, I have a question. So through mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, as you get out and travel uh, across, you know, South Carolina and outside of South Carolina, do you see uh, as as far as agencies being receptive to having uh, individuals come in and talk to their officers about mentoring and mentorship and leadership. Uh, it, what's your your thoughts on that? Are agencies kind of reluctant to 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 bring that in, or uh, are you had some? Uh, what's been your success with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I've been successful with it. Um, you know, they uh, I don't. I don't see where anybody's putting any roadblocks anyway. Uh, you know, I got something coming up. I think uh, at the end of the month is a retreat uh, for a uh, uh, law enforcement organization in the northern part of the state. Um, they're doing a retreat and they're bringing me in just for an hour to just to talk about leadership for the command staff uh, members. And but it's a retreat away. They're going to be staying at this location, and you know, and they're bringing me in to do it. Uh, I don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hadn't experienced any roadblocks with that. I've had a good experience. And, and you know, from my perspective, um, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, I don't know if you gentlemen have children or not, but you can tell your kids something over and over and over sometimes, and they hear it, and they can even mimic it and say it before it comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it seems like when they when they hear it from another source, you know what I'm saying, all of a sudden, it clicks, you know what I'm saying, and it's validating. So from my perspective, I've never had, had uh, a problem with bringing other folks in uh, to, to do, you know, mentorship or do leadership training. Uh, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and, and you know, I think it's really important that that it's something that agencies really get behind and support and, uh, and encourage, you know, to have this that type of, uh, leadership training brought within the agencies, uh, because oftentimes it's, it's always good to hear another voice um, when when it when you're talking about leadership. And, and Chief, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned earlier about you know the climate that we've been in when you talk about um, everything that's happened with George Floyd to Breonna Taylor, uh, it, it, we could just go on with all the names that. People have been affected by uh, by law enforcement. Um, when you are talking with uh, with officers, um, does any of that come up as far as how they are seeing uh, what's going on with law enforcement and and what the future of law enforcement looks like? Yeah, it, it does come up, um, and, and, and it and it should. 
it should. Um, and, it, and it shouldn't be a case, Chief Green, I don't believe that it should come up, you know, from from the officer. It should be grumblings, you know what I'm saying, on the lower levels. I, I think people want to know when things happen, people want to know where their leaders stand, right? And I think we have to have a clear uh, message and a clear voice when crisis comes. might not be in your community, but it can be tomorrow, you know what I'm saying, or the next day. So if it happens around the country, I think it's important for us to bring that to the table right here wherever we are and, and, and have those conversations. You know, I'll never forget uh, an experience. Uh, and, and I will call this, I've, I've got to do some really fun things during my law enforcement career. I've got to do some really fun things, cool things. Uh, you know, I've graduated from FBI National Academy. You know, I've had a great time. But if someone asks me, you know, hey, been the highlight of your career, I will, I will go back to the aftermath of the George Floyd murder in my city. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was uh, civil unrest to the north of us. Uh, there was civil unrest to the south of us. And we actually got phone calls to, at the police department saying, hey, we're upset. You know, we want to protest. We want to march. But we want you to be a part of what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? Can we do this? Can we do this? Mm -hmm. Do you think we should... You know, they made us a part of the process. And for me, that was the biggest compliment. And because you gentlemen know that it doesn't have to happen that way. It does not have to happen that way. Um, so we got that call, and we worked with the community, and, and we went out, we, you know, we were there, we supported them, and it was a peaceful protest. Uh, and nothing, you know, nothing bad happened that day. For me, that was a big-time accomplishment. And, and so the conversation leading up to that event, was with the department, and it was, you know, because some officers didn't know, well, why they got to be out here? Why they got to be doing this? And I'm like, look, what happened happened in everybody in, in this country's living room. We all saw it, mm -hmm. and and, and yeah. people are traumatized, and everybody doesn't know how to dispose of that. And so here we are. You know, I said, hey, you may go out here today, and you may hear something you don't like. Somebody may call you outside your name. Somebody may do this. Somebody. You know, something bad happened and people are reacting, and you got to understand that. I said, but the most important thing is, is to realize that each and every one of you have this moment to walk out and shine a positive light on our industry. And that's what you need to focus on. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> well and, and, you know, and I think this past year, you know, with the incident with George Floyd, is definitely, you know, Everybody really had to step up and be uh, a leader, especially when you have some officers who feel like what Chauvin did was was justified, and you've got some who who don't. But you know, and then you've got some officers who had the attitude of when there is a Black Lives Matter uh, protest, uh, why should the police chief? Why should we be out there? And I think that that's. You know, when you are a good leader and you are able to sit down and talk with officers and to explain to them, this is why we're doing what we're doing, and we're going to do it as a group, uh, now people are able to see the frustration that that other people are feeling. Um, and, and I think that's why it's, it's so important for officers to, to also remember when you take off that uniform, you're just a civilian as well. So you've got to also have that uh, uh, have, have some compassion 
or what's going on, whether it's in your community or somebody else's community. But hey, guys, we're coming up on the, the last few minutes of the show. Um, you know, Chief Waits, I want you to give out your information, how people can can get in touch with you, and, and information about your book. Okay. Uh, the name of my book is uh, Never Have a Bad Day. Um, you can find it. You can go to my website, which is www.waitslifted, W-A-I-T-E-S, lifted, L-I-F-T-E-D.com, waitslifted.com. You can find the book there. Or you can find it at uh, www.neverhaveabadday.net. That's www.neverhaveabadday.net. Uh, you can reach me uh, through my email address. That's contact at kelvinweights.com. And uh, anytime you, if you just got a question or you're interested, you're inquiring about training or, or, or one-on-one coaching, uh, feel free to give me a call, and I normally respond to everybody within within 24 hours, but normally more quick, quicker than that. Well, good, good. Chief Humphrey. You know, Chief Waits, he gets, you know, you know, Chief Waits, he gets quiet. He gets quiet. You know, I think, I think as the day go along, man, you know, that old folks syndrome starts setting in, man. Mm. You know, no, I'm thinking about what insult I'm going to throw at you. That's, that's what I'm thinking about. I want to make sure I get the right insult. <laughs> Hey, hey, brother. We, yes, sir. We, we're so honored. We're so honored that you joined us, man. And I'm proud of you, brother. And uh, keep up the good like work. What? And uh, there, you, you could get a phone call from me any day and invite you to come in. So I, I appreciate you, man. I'm proud of you. I appreciate that. Well, I, I thank y'all for having me on the show with me. Awesome platform. Yeah. Awesome platform. Yeah. Well, well, great. Well, Chief Waits, you know uh, this won't be the last time we'll be talking and. And uh, you, you have an open invitation to, to come on the uh, to the podcast show and uh, talk to us about whatever whatever it is you want to talk about. But guys, uh, it's been a, a great show. And, and Chief Waits, we want to again thank you for taking the time to come on you and the Law uh, Podcast Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And guys, we will get together next week. But stay tuned for another episode of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you.